0: Hey, how's everybody doing? You all right? Yeah. Beautiful Minnesota weekend. Uh, yeah, met with tepid response. We had sunshine, we're having sunshine this weekend. Woo, we'll take it, yeah. Yeah, so um, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden, I'm one of the pastors here. Really glad to be with you this weekend. Thanks for participating. Those of you here in person, those of you here online, we're really glad you're with us. Um, if we haven't met you yet, like if I haven't met you or we haven't met you as a church yet, if you've just kind of been checking us out, under the radar, when you're ready, we'd love to meet you. And so the way you can do that, um, here in person, there's a, in your row there, there's a little QR code that you can scan on your phone, it'll take you to our connect card. You can fill that out and allow us the opportunity to get in touch with you, or you could stop at the welcome desk on the way out uh, after this service and give us your information, meet somebody. Um, we'll give you a gift, if you're here, we'll give you a gift for stopping and letting us start that process of helping connect you. Those of you who are online, you can do that by letting your host know that you're online or clicking the connect button and uh, same information. So it'll give us a chance to get to know each other and uh, we love that part of being part of a church that we get to know each other and all these things. So this is interesting. I'm really excited about what we're gonna talk about this weekend, but this, this is an interesting thing to me. So um, sociologists, anthropologists have observed there are there are really three kind of worldviews for for how we Come together, move together as as societies, and, and particularly as it informs like how we how we teach our kids what's right and wrong, how we maintain societal control, kind of how we move forward in those directions. And it was it was this anthropologist named Ruth Benedict who really kind of gave us three categories. And I think she wrote this like back in the nineteen fifties. So she it's been a while, but th- these observations have held pretty true. So there's there's a, a guilt and innocence culture, and I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. There's a shame and honor worldview, and I'll talk about that one. And then there's a, a fear and power. So those are kind of the three major lenses which societies maintain control, how, how we help people know like who's right and wrong, who's good and bad. So those, those are three things. And I wanna talk about, for a minute, the first two that I mentioned because I think they're present. Well, I know they're present, they're very present in our culture. So, so the guilt-innocence one is first. In a, in a guilt-innocence worldview, there's a, there's a standard of what's right and wrong. And we all get taught that standard of what's right and wrong, and your conscience will align with that standard of what's right and wrong. And when you deviate from that standard, then you know that you've done badly and the people who are around you know that you've done badly and we can all look at that same thing and say yeah you deviated you did badly or you are bad in so the culture kind of we can all move together that way and we maintain societal control that way the other one is the the shame honor culture and and the way the shame honor thing works is really it's it's you know you're good or you know you're bad by whether or not you're accepted in the group. And, and so that's the way that the society maintains control and the way we teach behavior and thinking is you gotta, you gotta stay with the group. So, so the group that you wanna be included in, the group that you wanna be part of, you, you experience shame if they exclude you and you experience honor if they speak highly of you and so those two are really present in our culture and this is my observation so if if you think this is way off and it's just me and i'm i might be but my observation is you participate many of us participate in the in the guilt innocence worldview. the older you are and um like the longer you've been part of organized religion so if if you're like Gen X, Boomer, kind of if you're in that generation, you were raised in you were raised in a, a guilt innocence worldview. And if you're part of a religious subculture, you've you've experienced that as well. And the younger you are and the more engaged you are with social media in particular, you're more likely to participate in the shame honor worldview, subculture, we've got to fit in and we've got to be part of, and if the majority speaks against me, I, excludes me, I feel shame by that, and, and what happens for us is like we've got all these voices, we've got all these voices speaking to us about what is right and about what is wrong and whether we're good or whether we're bad, and, and that creates a lot of chaos and confusion. In our lives, because neither one of those worldviews, one of those ways of you know maintaining societal control, like neither one of them is inherently right or inherently wrong. They just they just are, but they are both like they're they're run by people, and they are imposed upon us by people. And so it's really easy for for those worldviews that we were raised in that we participate in now, and because they're. People are engaged, it's really easy for that to get you turned sideways and upside down and going backwards in your life. And because there are all these voices speaking into us about this is right, this is wrong, you should be proud of yourself, you should be ashamed of yourself, we're including you, we're excluding you, all, you could end up, and we do, we've all experienced it, we end up just upside down, backwards, sideways, experiencing shame, guilt, like we're not part of the deal, like we're wrong, like we've been wrong, like like we're too far gone. And so we live with we live with all these voices not only without but voices within that are talking to us about who we are and how we like whether we're good or bad. And I wanted us to think about that and and think about that for just a minute because I think recognizing that there are these societal norms and these worldviews in which you may or may not have known, but you do participate in, I think these, knowing that that's there and kind of knowing which one speaks to you will help us process the biblical truth that I wanna talk about. Because, because if you don't know what to do with those voices that are telling you you're right, you're wrong, you're good, you're bad, if you don't know how to process all that, you can end up, you can end up on a path that leads nowhere good. And God has something better for you than that. He wants you to be able to walk on a path that gives you life and he wants to lead you on a path that leads to life and and that includes what goes on in our hearts, our minds, our view of ourselves as as we're engaging with what's going on around and inside of us about about whether we've behaved correctly, inappropriately, our thoughts, our minds, our actions, all that stuff. So I wanna read to you some verses from 2 Corinthians We're in this study of 2 Corinthians, and so I wanna read some verses to you from chapter seven. I'm gonna start in verse eight, but before I do, let me give give you a little bit about why these verses were written. So the Corinthian church, ancient church Corinth, this letter was written in about 50, 55 AD, somewhere around there. The people of the Corinthian church, they had done something, and we're not 100% sure about what they've done. Scholars have kinda landed on two main options. First option is something that comes out of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter five. The church at Corinth, these Christian people, there was, there was a guy in the church who was sexually involved with his stepmom and they were cool with it. Like just that that was okay with them and everybody knew and they had accepted that and so the apostle Paul spoke into that in 1 Corinthians. Interestingly, he spoke into it with both of those worldviews that we talked about. With the, the guilt innocence, he said, hey, there's a standard and that doesn't measure up to it. And the shame honor thing that if this guy wants to live this way, then he can't be part of this group. And so, so it could have been, that's the first option of what could have preceded what he wrote. The second option was that, you know, if you've been part of this study with us, you know that there were people around in Corinth who were saying things about the Apostle Paul that were not true, about who he was, and that were not true about his ministry, and not only were those damaging to him personally, those statements, those statements were also harmful to his ministry, and, and so he, he wrote a letter, And I, and I kinda lean towards this second option. There's a letter we don't have in between 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and he wrote a letter calling those Corinthian church and said, hey, you're saying stuff about me that is not true and that is harmful to the cause of Jesus. And so he wrote that letter, and now we read in 2 Corinthians chapter seven, it was a strong letter, starting in verse eight, he says, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while, yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. And so he's, he's saying, hey, I, I spoke to you sternly. I called you forward on some things, and it hurt me to write it, and it hurt you to read it, but you owned it, and you've moved in a good direction. And I'm really intrigued by verse 10, And this is really where I want us to spend our time together. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. And and so for people like you and me who live in this culture where there are all these voices that, that create sorrow in us, there, there, is, there is a sorrow that actually leads to life. And there is a sorrow that many of us have experienced or are experiencing that leads to death. And so our goal for this time together, for this next little bit that we have, what I really want us to help us do is, is to find that path that leads to life, in the sorrow that we experience from, from whatever voice is coming at us. Because I think we have to admit, like we have to start by admitting that, that none of us have it right all the time. Our, our motives, our thoughts, our actions, when we speak to other people, like none of us, we don't get it right all the time. We, we do get it wrong but we could live with a lot of confusion about which part is right and which part is wrong, and we can live with a lot of damage caused to us and causing damage to other people if we find ourselves experiencing what Paul called this worldly sorrow that leads to death. And so, so I think it's be helpful for us to be able to process this and, and learn how in, when we're experiencing that sorrow thing to, to be able to experience the godly kind of sorrow that leads to repentance salvation and no regrets. Like I wanna experience that. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna give you just ask you four questions for you to be able to ask yourself and process through when you're experiencing this, these voices speaking into your life, and then a solution for us, depending on where you find yourself with that worldly sorrow that leads to death or what this godly sorrow could look like for you or for me. So the first question that that I would ask of you and that you should ask yourself because I can't answer this for you is what's my attitude towards sorrow. You know because we live in a culture that now what what you mostly hear in our culture is if you're feeling bad about yourself about something you said, about something you did, about like if you're feeling bad that that you, you shouldn't feel bad, and whoever is making you feel bad, they should be feeling bad, shame on them. Right? That, so our culture actually rejects this idea of, of someone else speaking into who we are and how we, like how we move forward, what's right and what's wrong, and how we act, believe, behave. So if, if somebody else, you've you heard it, if somebody else says, wow, that's wrong, Shame on you. Well, no, 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 no. Shame on you for saying something that I've said done is wrong and for saying shame on me. So, so we live in this weirdness and we've we've shut down this idea of being willing to be sorrowful. So, a couple Bible verses that just jump out to me about that. That I think if if you've just kind of said, I'm not willing to consider what might be up when I'm feeling this sorrow then I, I would say the Bible has a different idea for you. The path of wisdom is not to just shut it all down and refuse to feel those things, to step and walk away from it, or to automatically point at whoever is saying hey to you and say, nah, hey, back to you. Proverbs chapter three, verses 11 and 12, the wise man writing to his son, he says, my son, don't despise the Lord's discipline. Don't resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father of the son he delights in. and." And this idea that there is, there is rebuke, there is discipline, there is sorrow that comes to you from the Lord. and so to know that, that the Lord will like he will point stuff out for you, and that idea of being rebuked, it, it falls right in, it's going to create something it's going to create negative emotion in you. so don't. Don't despise the Lord's discipline. Don't resent his rebuke. And then the next one, a fool, he just a fool spurns a parent's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. And you know, don't elbow your kids with that. Remember that, like you have a father, a heavenly father, who disciplines you, and it is it is the characteristic of a fool that they would reject the kind of discipline that their parent, their heavenly parent, would bring into their life. And so so I think the first question you've got to wrestle through is, you know, have have I listened to our culture that says anything that makes me feel bad, I need to just push aside and, you know, send send the blame the other direction, or am I open to this sorrow that's present in my life being something that would be for my good? The path of wisdom says be be open and and see if there's something in this for your good. So to that end these next three questions help us explore that that sorrow. So the next question I think so first one's what's my attitude towards sorrow? The next one I think question you need to wrestle with is what voice am I hearing? What voice am I hearing? What who's who's speaking in that's causing this sorrow in me? So so really loud voice right now is our culture. We're all very connected and we hear from a lot of different spots, from a lot of different people, a lot of different perspectives. And my view, our culture has never been louder about what's right and wrong and about how we ought to behave. And frankly, it's never been more confusing to try to navigate that. If, if you're paying close attention to the culture, it's, it's gonna be hard for you. And, and it doesn't mean the culture's wrong. It doesn't mean it's wrong, like just by virtue of being our culture. But if if this is a cultural statement, I think you ought to be aware that it comes from your culture because because it might be wrong. The culture might be wrong. The next one is your conscience. So God has given you a conscience, like He has placed it inside of you, and it is it is something that it's like this intangible. You can't see it, but you know it's there. It's that little thing when you're a kid that causes you to know that something was wrong and. You know, you, you take the candy bar back to the store clerk or you go to mom and dad and confess. It's like it's that thing that's inside of you and you've all experienced your conscience. And a conscience is a beautiful gift to us from the Lord, but the conscience has a problem. The conscience is easily swayed. So your conscience is, is very liable to be aligned by whatever the dominant voice in your life is about what's right and wrong. And so, so your conscience can be easily aligned with something that may or may not be true. And your conscience, the Bible talks about your conscience being able to be seared. So even if your conscience is like leading you in the proper direction, you can say no to your conscience enough times that like it's just, like with a hot iron, you've just kind of closed your conscience down, you shut it down, and your, your heart's not soft towards what's right and wrong anymore. Disney, back in the old days, let your conscience be your guide. Anybody else remember that? Like, So maybe, but maybe not, right? So your conscience is a voice that speaks in to what's right and wrong. A third voice is authority figures. For better and for worse, there are people in our lives who, who either we give them authority or they take authority or they have been given authority somewhere over us and, and they declare to us and ultimately for us what's right and wrong and, and this voice is only as dependable as the authority figure and they're all human. And, and so again, they may be helping you move in a direction that leads to life but they also might be leading you down a path that leads towards death. And so, so these authority figures speak in and, and as, as you feel this sorrow in you Sometimes it's, it's there, you're, what you're feeling is, is the result of what an authority figure has said to you about what you should be thinking, what you should be believing, what you should or should not be doing. And then the last one, if you're a believer in Jesus, God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And of, of these voices, God the Holy Spirit's the only one that's 100% dependable 100% of the time. And, and the, the beauty of that is if your ear is tuned, to God the Holy Spirit, you have you have a legit, right, true north, always going to be walking the path that leads to life. But we mess that up. And, and so we've got all this other noise and all these other voices that are coming at us. And so there's this, this constant struggle that we're engaged in. We've got to filter through, okay, whose voice am I hearing? And and I think this is, when you're feeling sorrow, if you're willing to step into it and lean into it, this is, this is probably the first and sets you on a really important path of, what, am I, what do I do with this sorrow? Whose voice am I hearing? Because a lot of times, you know, false guilt, false shame comes from one of these other places that's not God the Holy Spirit. And, and so if you're hearing a voice that's not God the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you have, to, you have to exercise discernment in where you're gonna proceed from that. And so as you're exercising that discernment, here's the next question you can ask yourself. What's, what's the root of this issue? And so you've, you've, you're feeling sorrow, shame, guilt, whatever word we wanna hang on. I'm just hanging on the Bible's word when Paul really went after like he was strong with them about their their behavior and their attitudes and so it created this sorrow in them and and it's important to wrestle down to what's the root of this issue. So for those of us who more participate in the in the guilt and innocence worldview. So maybe you're older or you have been Around organized religion, a lot longer. One of the things that ha- like, what's the root cause? And if you are wrestling with something that is, this can be, it's producing like this false shame, false guilt, sorrow that leads to death. If, you will, you will look, and you will look, and you will look, and you will process, and you, your answer to this question, what's the root issue, will be, I don't know. I, I keep looking into. It's like I'm looking into this pool of muddy water, and I'm sorting through it and trying to, and nothing ever sticks in my hands, it's just the water just keeps getting muddier and muddier as, as I try to figure out what this issue is. That is that is sorrow that leads to death if you, if, you can't, if you can't find the issue. Now, things have changed over the last decade, decade and a half, because our culture with the, with the shame and honor, as that has become more prominent in our culture, Often we know what, what's being spoken against. Because our culture or authority figure, like they'll be really clear with you, of you know, shame on you for this idea, attitude, action that you're that you're holding on to. And so as that clarity, as you find clarity in that, then the question that you have to ask is, what does God say about this? You know, because if if one of these less dependable voices are creating sorrow in your life and you know, then the question you've got to ask yourself is like, okay, so, but what does God say about this? Is this, am I really off track? Just because this authority figure says I'm off track, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm off track. What does God say about this? Which, which drives Christian people to God's word because this is where he speaks to us and tells us about about our belief system and about how we engage with him, about who he is, about who we are and how we're supposed to live all of that stuff out. And it should also drive us to prayer, to take these things that are really specific and really personal and creating sorrow in us, to take these things to the Lord and say to him, Father, you're my Father, what do you say about this? What do you think? Because this, this person, They think I should be pushed to the edges. They think I should not be allowed to participate in our society. They think I should feel really bad about myself over this thing. What do you say about that? And what I'll promise you in this moment is if you're a Christian person and you wanna know what the Lord says about something that's producing sorrow in your life, if you will take it to him and you will give him time and you will give him space to speak into that, he will speak into that for you. And so this question of what's the root of this issue if you can't figure out what it is it's probably not the lord and if you and if you know what it is but there's no god's kind of peace in your heart that yeah this is something you should feel this way over then that's that's not the lord either and you say so what's the root of this issue here's another question and this is the last question that I think you've got to ask yourself as you're dealing with this sorrow, trying to figure out my own path to death or my the path that leads to life is where is this sorrow taking me? Where's this sorrow taking me? And, and really the first question of that is it taking me toward or is it taking me away from God? Because the thing about the sorrow that leads to death is, is that it, it takes you away from God you don't wanna engage with him. If you're experiencing sorrow in this moment and I'm talking to you about taking that before the Lord and asking him to speak into and speak over that, in this moment, there's something inside of you saying, I could never let God see this. I could never talk to God about this. Well, that's, that's the first signal that like, you got something going on in you that is not of God and you're hearing some things in yourself that are not from God. Because he's always, he's always calling you back to himself, and he's, his arms are always open to you. And I love these verses from Hebrews chapter 12, and I have just kind of put, you see some ellipses in there, because I've just kind of grabbed some stuff. This is writing this is into an experience out of Exodus chapter 19, so you could go back and read that chapter where, where God shows up under the old covenant in a way that was fearsome. And, and now the writers of Hebrews are saying, because of Jesus, we have a totally different way we relate to God, and, and he's not scary like that. And so he writes this little statement, he says, when you're coming to God, when you come back to him, you haven't come to a mountain that can be touched and that's burning with fire. You haven't come to darkness, gloom, and storm. But you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You've, you've come to God, you've come to the spirits of the righteous, made perfect, you've come to Jesus, you've come to the sprinkled blood, this idea of you've come to forgiveness. And so, so this sorrow, where is it taking me? Is it, is it taking me away from, or is it bringing me back toward God? Because, because the sorrow that leads to repentance, the sorrow that leads to life, it is it's always like it is always pulling you back towards God. There's, that godly sorrow leads to repentance. Now, you, you can choose about whether you're not gonna repent. You know, you, you can choose to continue going down whatever path you're going on, this, this part, when you know it's the voice of God and he's confirming it inside of you and he's offering you, hey, come back, come back to this forgiveness and to this life that I wanna give to you that other people are experiencing, you can come be part of this thing too come back. You can choose whether or not you come back, but you know it's the voice of God when you are being invited back. And it is not the voice of God when you are being told, like, yeah, God isn't willing to look at this. He's not willing to talk to you. He's not willing. Like, he's, If you brought this to him, he's going to say no to you. That's, that's not the voice of God. And then the other piece about where is this sorrow taking me? I think these are just, is it pushing me down, pushing me away, or is it calling me up and is it calling me forward? Because this, this sorrow that leads to death, not only does it push you down and push you away from God, it just, it's like it's holding your head under water. Right? It's, just, it's, just, it's pushing you down and pushing you away so that, that you feel like you, you have to go down, that you have to go away and it isolates you, and it makes you feel less than, and it, it pushes you down and pushes you away. And if you are feeling pushed down and pushed away, you're not experiencing this, the sorrow that comes from God that leads to life. You're experiencing a voice from somewhere else that, that does not want you in anywhere near your creator who loves you and who gives you life. So what God's voice does, this sorrow, this godly sorrow, what it does is it calls you up and it calls you forward. And so, so if you're feeling the sorrow of, I've got something going on, done, done something wrong, been, been wrong in some way, I need to go back. I need, like there's better for me. That's, that's the piece that, that God speaks over people, particularly to his people is, I have something better for you. And so it is, it is a calling up and it is a calling forward. And whether that voice comes from the culture or whether it comes from your conscience or whether it comes from authority figure or you know it is the voice of God, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, the voices that call you up, call you forward, those are the voices that like, they're leading you on God's path that leads, that leads to life. So, so this brings me kind of to the solution piece. So what if... You're here, you're listening to this, you in person, you're in line, you're listening to this, and as you've been listening, you know that shame, sorrow, guilt that you've been experiencing, that you're experiencing right now in this moment, you know that it is that, what the scripture calls that worldly sorrow that leads to death. What are you supposed to do? If, if this is that worldly sorrow that leads to death, these voices are so loud, and they've convinced me of some stuff. What am I supposed to do? So let me share with you, I'm gonna give you one name, and then I'm gonna share this verse with you. So this is from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. But for those worldly sorrow voices, the answer to that is Jesus. <laughs> he, he's the answer. So, so those voices are gonna kick and scream at what I'm saying right now. Because the last place they want you is in the presence of the one who will speak over all that and who will calm that for you and who will let you be on the path that leads to life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five, the Apostle Paul's talking about, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And he makes this really interesting statement. He says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so there's some stuff that will go across your mind, comes across my mind, goes across your heart, my heart, there's some stuff that is present in our lives that when we, when we understand that it isn't true, that it isn't from God, that it is not leading me in the right way, it is not leading me on the right path, when, when we come to that point, Jesus will hold that, like we take that thought captive and make it obedient to him. You, you can speak to your, you are not crazy if you talk to yourself. You're crazy if you talk back you can tell yourself, this isn't true, this isn't true. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not believing this anymore. I'm not acting in reliance on this anymore. Jesus has said something different and we're going to, like my thought life is gonna be obedient to him. And so, so these things, this sorrow that I'm feeling, look, you could just name it. This is the worldly sorrow that lives to death and I'm not walking that path. I, that worldly sorrow that leads to death, I don't wanna walk that path. So I'm not listening, I'm not listening to this accusation. I'm not, I'm not responding to this kind of guilt. I'm not, you're just not gonna get me with this shame. I'm only interested in the godly sorrow, at least repentance and salvation and no regrets. Jesus is... You can take those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions, whatever that is going on inside of you and you can take that straight to Jesus and he's strong enough to deal with it. You gotta know this, he's strong enough to deal with it. You aren't strong enough to deal with it on your own but if if you'll drag it to him, he can deal with it and he longs to do that for you. He doesn't want you to live with shame and guilt and regret and in that whirlpool that's created by All that stuff you're feeling you can't get to the bottom of or that stuff that you're feeling sorrow about that you shouldn't, because it's somebody else's voice that's saying that to you. So Jesus is your answer. Drag that stuff to him and name it before him and and take it captive to him. And then for those of us who you're feeling that sorrow and you walk through the questions and you, you come to the conclusion, okay, all right, this is from the Lord. This is from the Lord. What do I do with this? It's from the Lord. So for the godly sorrow voices, it's the same answer. (laughs) It's Jesus. For for that godly sorrow voices, what do do I do? I've been wrong. I am wrong in this. I have sinned, I have done wrong. What do we do with that? It's Jesus. And. The verses we talked about last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God has, he has made provision for you in this already. Like He's way ahead of you on this. What God did for you is he took Jesus, who had no sin, and he made Jesus to be sin for you. So where you've been wrong, Jesus has already paid for that. He died for that. He, he allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed to pay for that. Whatever it is you're experiencing this moment, whatever I'm experiencing, he, this godly sorrow, he's already covered that for you so that you can become the righteousness of God in him. And so again, this, this, what I'm experiencing, I'm dragging to Jesus and I am receiving this covering that he has for what I have done wrong and I am recognizing that like, I wanna be robed in his righteousness and I'm, let, I'm just gonna receive that as a gift from God so that I can walk in this new life that he wants to give to me so that and that is what that is what godly sorrow leads to repentance the repentance is man I come back to I come back to Jesus and I come back I come back with the mess and I let him take care of it and him cover me and I get to walk in the freedom that he gives so this could be this could be life changing day for you if you're a person who struggles with shame and with guilt and you, you live with the anxiety that all that produces in your life because you don't know which way is up or forward, Jesus is your answer. And so, and so he, wants to, he wants to take you the sorrow that you experience. And if it is worldly sorrow that has you on the path to death, he wants, he wants to with you take that captive and make it obedient to him. And if it's godly sorrow, he wants to help you get on the path back to him. And He's already made all provision for that. He will rejoice when you come back to Him from whatever it is that's causing this guilt and this shame and this, in your life. And so your answer to the guilt, shame that's going on inside of you, your answer is always Jesus. Drag it back to Him. Let Him see it. Let Him speak into it. Let Him speak over it, and let Him deal with it for you. And when you do that, you get to you get to live you get to live on the path of repentance that leads to salvation with no regrets no regrets so can i pray that for you guys would you bow your head and close your eyes with me and let me pray over us lord thank you that you have already made provision for for the shame and the guilt that we experience in our lives there there are there are so many voices that speak to us that tell us tell us what's right what's wrong what we should be doing where we're off and how we should feel about all of that, and and we are susceptible to those voices. We just confess that before you, we're susceptible to those voices. So, I'm praying for myself, and I'm praying for my friends who are part of this service. That that all of that we bring back to you, and that you give us eyes to see, and ears to hear, and hearts to understand what you say, so that we can we can walk the path of life, the path that leads to life. Live with no regrets, under your blessing, your joy. Next to you, Jesus, we're very, we're very grateful that you've done this for us. So we thank you, we love you, and we trust you, and we pray these things in your name, amen.